Well, the new structure of the RBA will be a bit like the Bank of England. Really? <laughs> How is that working out for them? Uh, with the UK inflation stuck in double digits and more rate hikes now much more likely, uh, we'll look at those recommendations for the RBA today. Plus, what's in the Fed beige book that was out overnight? And next, inflation for New Zealand. Let's hope it's not as big a shock as those UK numbers. It's Thursday, the 20th of April, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, another lackluster and mixed day in U.S. equities. Very tight trading with the Dow down a quarter percent at close. The Nasdaq only just in the green and the S&P 500 only just in the red. Uh, the same deal in Europe where the Eurostox 50 closed just in the red. Uh, the FTSE 100 was down 0.1% and the DAX just in the green. Uh, so no big moves anywhere in equities, it seems. And if you think that's all a bit meh. Uh, well, the US dollar, I mean, that's edged up 0.2% on the DXY. The pound is up on that. It's up just 0.1% whilst the euro is down almost 0.2%. The Aussie dollar's down 0.1% at 67.2 US cents. So no big moves anywhere, really, except for in bond yields. Well, maybe less so in the United States, where 10-year treasuries are up three basis points. No doubt pushed higher by 10-year gilts in the UK, which are up 11 basis points on that inflation news, up to uh, 3.85%. Two years in the UK, up almost 13 basis points to 3.81%. Big falls in oil as well. WTI is down 2.1%, taking it below 80 a barrel. Uh, It hasn't been able to uh, stay above 80 for for, at all, really, for very long uh, this year. Uh, Brent has lost 1.9% this morning. So very easy to explain that rise in UK bond yields. In fact, I just did it. Uh, But here's Nabs Ray Atrill in Sydney. It's UK inflation what done it, isn't it? Stuck in double digits, 10.1%, even with a uh, 5.9% fall in petrol prices. That was a bit of a surprise. That's right. Morning, Phil. I think the only people that might be a little bit happier are the vegans because milk and cheese prices, I think, were the primary uh, culprits in terms of you know, keeping food price inflation 19.1% year on year up from 18%. And, uh, and household expenses, obviously led by household energy bills, still running at, what, 26 or more than 26%. So that's really, you know, the story about, <clears throat> excuse me, continued elevated inflation. But um, yes, um, so still double digits, looking at money market pricing. Before those um, numbers, we had about 23 basis points of tightening price for the main meeting from the uh, Bank of England, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, post-CPI, we've gone up to 28 basis points, and uh, there's now actually three mm. quarter point Bank of England rate rises priced into the curve from a little up over to 5%, two basically. prior to those yeah. numbers. But um, yes, yeah, so going back to the bond question, very much a case of tail wags dog, I think, with uh, you know 11 basis point rise for, for 10-year yields, and that's obviously spilled into to Treasury market and, and yields elsewhere because um, you know inflation is continuing to uh, to, to not behave as, uh, as well as um, anyone hoped it would be doing at this stage, with some exceptions, obviously, if you look at some other countries. Um, you know, inflation does seem to be... Uh, clearly cresting and, and, and falling but um well look, let me moment. just look over the english channel because mm-hmm. i mean the euro area i mean we, we got the final rate didn't we the the, the headline right there is 6.9 percent down from 8.5 percent the month before that is quite a gap from 6.9 percent to 10.1 percent just across the english channel yes although to be fair the core um, uk numbers are well, unchanged at 6.2 percent but uh, albeit they were expected to come down to six percent so um you know, we do have to look through the headlines to some extent, but, you know, from a policymaker's point of view, and their sort of uh, paranoia is too strong a word, but their obsession with inflation expectations, you know, we know the headline rates are, are pretty important in, in driving those. And, uh, 
I think that's a key consideration for the Bank of England, who I was refreshing myself with the, the minutes of the previous meeting, um, where they made a, a strong uh, emphasis on the decline in inflation expectations, which had been reported in the Bank of England's uh, February survey. They were down almost a percent to below 4%. And that was one of the reasons that, you know, the guidance out of that April rate hike was that, uh, you know, we may well have done enough here. But uh, obviously what we've had on wages and what we've had on CPI, um, you know, clearly challenges that view, which is why, you know, further rate rises look to be pretty much baked in the cake. And and you'd expect that uh, salaries are not going to come down in, at any great speed, given this as well. Because if you look at the, that, that headline number is on top of seven percent this time last year. So actually, add them two together, uh, you know, the compound effect: seventeen point eight percent growth in that headline rate over two years. Uh, so uh, you know, and we've got nurses being offered five percent, you know, which obviously they've rejected. And uh, this is just going to add to that. So more strike action, more wage pressure, but also you know the economy is going to take a hit from people not being at work as well. I mean, you know, it's a it's it's a bit of a mess basically. Well, absolutely, but uh, you know, and looking across other markets, you look at you look at oil. I mean, you know, down because I think concerns about sort of demand destruction as a result of of rates uh, going up somewhat uh, somewhat further than the. Pre- previously been expected and uh, you know i think he's certainly you know playing into that view somewhat that um you know um, and oil is proving to be very sensitive to sort of swings in uh, obviously the dollar and bond yields but um you know sentiment towards what the economy is going to look like three to six months down the line and you know obviously we've had some fantastic china numbers that uh, you know you've talked about earlier in the week and you know that's uh, that's on the other side of the ledger of course as far as things like energy prices are concerned but uh, mm. as far as the, as the west is concerned um you know recession concerns are clearly deepening so if we've got the uk uh, pushing rates that much higher you know uh, finishing up at five percent so that presumably that the, the pound could go on a bit of a rally from that couldn't it and the yen of course suffering as you know the the, the expectations of rates going up everywhere except uh, in japan uh, and I guess, you know, all of that means, you know, for a zero-sum game, the, the US dollar's got to take a bit of a hit as well, hasn't it? Well, yes and no, says the two-handed uh, economist. Here we, here we um, <laughs> Because if you look at the pound, yes, we had that knee-jerk move higher. Um, but what are we up, 0.1% or something in the last 24 hours? Um, which, again, plays to that view that, uh, you know, interest rates aren't everything when it comes to currencies. It's relative um, or expectations for relative growth performance. And we've seen that with, um, you know, the US dollar, um, you know, has retraced all of the um, February and early March gains that we've seen, you know, because of the, you know, the view that uh, on a relative basis, the US is now um, looking like one of the poorer performers, certainly relative to uh, to the Eurozone, uh, and obviously in relation to China. So, um, you know, interest rates do matter, but um, to the extent that they're a reflection of sort of relative growth expectations, you know, you have to take that into account as well. And, and, you, know, and you know, the NAB um, FX strategy team, <laughs> of which I'm a member, you know, a, a negative US dollar view going forward is, is very much predicated on, you know, the US doing relatively worse than the many other parts of the world over the rest of this year. Well, it would struggle to do uh, worse than the the UK, wouldn't it? But maybe the, the words from the beige book this morning gives us an idea of uh, where the US is heading. If you want to summarise it in one word, flat. Uh, I'll quote from the opening of it. Overall economic activity was little changed in recent weeks. Nine districts reported either no change or only a slight change in activity this period, while three indicated modest growth. Expectations for future growth were mostly unchanged as well. However, two districts saw outlooks deteriorate. Uh, consumer spending was generally seen as flat as as well. So another word could be, if it's not flat, stagnant.
They're not going anywhere in a hurry. No, absolutely. And I think that um, it does look like, you know, Q1 GDP numbers that, uh, you know, are, are going to uh, look okay. I think it's Q2 that where the real, uh, you know, the real concern is effectively. And, you know, if you look at the monthly numbers sort of sequentially, we had strong January numbers, less strong February and, and March not looking flash at all. So, you know, in terms of the economy losing momentum going into Q2, you know, I think the message from the page book is consistent with that, at least. And seeing some moderation in, in prices as well. And on credit, it's probably worth noting that, um, you know, lending by banks and demand for loans, so both demand of and supply of um, yeah, loans basically has deteriorated with, surprise, surprise, the drop off, especially sharp in the San Francisco area, the um, erstwhile home of Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah, well, I guess, and also tech generally, of course. So, no, absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, on that, we're, we're keenly awaiting the next um, uh, Fed Senior Loan Officers Opinion Survey, um, the lovely acronym of SLUS, which will be out probably about a week <laughs> after the uh, the next Fed meeting. But the Fed will, you know, given it's their own survey, will almost certainly be privy to that when they sit down on uh, on May the 2nd and the 3rd. And uh, there is an expectation mm. that we will see in a sort of a more of a system-wide uh, tightening of credit conditions. And I think that certainly plays into the view that um, uh, assuming the Fed is going to go by 25 basis points in May, it, it is going to be one and done uh, at that point. But, um, you know, as we say ad nausea, everything's data driven and no more so than in the UK and how that's, yeah. you know, shifting and in the higher US. expectations for policy tightening. Yeah, and in the US and everywhere else now, uh, including here. So the RBA, are they fit for the future? Uh, well, that review is completed. Uh, the Treasurer is going to talk about it today. The AFR reported on it last night. Uh, seems like more expertise is needed. They want to, they, we're getting new members for the board, we're going to keep it at nine members, but the board will split into two boards, one to focus on monetary policy and another to focus on governance, which is uh, a bit like how the Bank of England operates. Look how well it's working for them, Ray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's right. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of, the criticism from outside is that that uh, you know the the existing board structure has been with you know power and influence has been heavily concentrated in uh, obviously the governor and and you know maybe one or two of the of the insiders and uh, you know the board is not structured basically to bring sort of monetary policy expertise but uh, as you say you can look to the to the Bank of England and say yeah look how well that's working but um, you know I think that there's a strong view that uh, you know that, that, that we can't be worse as a result of, of of you know having a refresh and bringing in more external experts um, I mean the other things that that seemed the media seems to have got hold of you know potentially moving to a six-week meeting schedule from monthly meetings you know having regular press conferences um, whether or not there'll be a requirement to publish the voting records of meetings remains to be uh, to be seen and and then the other thing we don't know and whether we'll find that out today um, I suspect not is that you know whether um, the treasurer will look to uh, an external appointment for the next governor, I mean, a very strong expectation that uh, the governor Lowe is, is 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 not going to be reappointed for for another term when his existing term ends in September. Right, but they remit very much the inflation target, or is there some talk that maybe no. that might be extended? No, no talk there. No, no, I think the 2 to 3% uh, inflation target is nailed on. So there's been no uh, indication that, uh, that that is going to be tampered with. I mean, you can still argue that, you know, the bank of the uh, RBA is an outlier with that 2 to 3% target with every other, almost every other inflation targeting central bank having a, a 0.2% target. Sorry, mean, meaning a, a point target of 2%. But um, there doesn't seem to be any enthusiasm for uh, for changing that. So, uh, they, they, you know, where there might be some, uh, some, some nuance of change is, is, you know, whether there's any more sort of specific guidance on the timeline over which 
the uh, the RBA is expected to achieve those targets. I think for the Bank of England, for example, they're expected to meet it at all points in time, obviously with some flexibility. Um, as Governor Lowe has made clear that, uh, you know, if we get down to 2 to 3% uh, more slowly than other central banks with, with less of a cost in terms of, you know, particularly the gains that have been secured in the labour market, then that will be, you know, a pretty uh, a pretty good outcome. Well, uh, so the, uh, the, the Treasurer is going to talk about this morning. Philip Lowe will be broadcasting his response uh, uh, no doubt, saying how fantastic he thinks it all is. Uh, he wants to keep his job. Um, 12 midday, Australian Eastern Standard Time on the RBA website. You can hear his response to all of that. Uh, before that, uh, the NAB Business Survey is out this morning at 11 o'clock Australian Eastern Standard Time. So this is this quarterly survey, isn't it? Not the monthly survey. So right. we do get a bit more information in the quarterly, don't we? Yes, we will. So it will be sort of a, be something, some slightly broader survey sample, for example. But, um, you know, I don't think we're going to learn anything mm. new. Confidence was, what, minus one in the Q4 survey. So that looks to be a little bit subpar. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, any influence there is market influence, I think, is going to be overwhelmed by uh, digestion of uh of, of, of the RBA report. And, uh, you know, and of course, looking ahead to what inflation is going to be uh, next week. Before that, today, this morning, New Zealand's inflation, uh, the RBNZ's uh, Q1Q estimate is 1.8%. I think the BNZ is forecasting a little bit lower than that, though, aren't they? A little bit higher, actually. So, uh, yeah, oh, so 1.5 right, okay. is the market consensus that I've seen. Um, our BNZ colleagues across the ditch are, are picking 1.7, um, which would yeah, mean I think, year so on I think year. The RBNZ were saying 1.8, but maybe they were. Yes, so, so yes, so a little bit softer than the uh, so the BNZ's above the market, but BNZ itself is still 0.1, I think, below the RBNZ's pick, which was 1.8. Um, so if the market's right at 1.5, that'll see inflation down to 6.9. But if uh, you know if you do come in closer to the RBNZ and, and BNZ estimate, then inflation's still going to have a seven on it, 7.1 down from 7.2. So I think such an outcome would. Um, to say that I think that would just consolidate expectations that uh, there's at least one more rate rise in the uh, the RBNZ's uh, chamber, uh, but more likely 25 points when they meet on May the 24th. I think. Right, but how does that translate to to how we do next week? I mean, if they are a surprise on the upside, does that necessarily mean the same thing is going to happen within Australia? No, the, the read through really for mapping New Zealand CPI to Australian CPI has, has not been a, a winning trade. I would suggest in in recent <laughs> years, but uh, you know sometimes. There's a, there's a little bit of correlation there, so um, yeah. Um, but I don't think anybody will be leaping to change their uh, their forecast for Australian CPI in the back of these numbers. Right. Well, today later on, uh, China's loan prime rate for their one and five years. We get later tonight ECB's March meeting minutes, or well, a meeting accounts, I think is what they call them. Of course, they lifted uh, mm-hmm. rates by half a percent last time. And uh, in the US, the weekly jobless claims, uh, the existing home sales for March, and the Philly Fed business survey. So this is a bit out today. No, absolutely. I think the jobless claims have become more interesting, obviously, since those big upward yeah. benchmark. Revisions and you know 240k is the uh, is the expectation. So that's you know the, the trending claims now is clearly consistent with expecting to see some rise in unemployment in future months. Um, and the Philly Fed survey is the second cab off the rank in terms of the regional surveys. And remember, we had that much stronger um, than anticipated Empire State survey uh, earlier in the week. So uh, the Philly Fed is a somewhat broader. Uh, participation panel. So a little bit of interest in that is expected to be marginally less worse, put it that way, for uh, for March than February. But you wouldn't have thought it would vary too much from the beige book, would you? But I guess we'll we'll see. We'll see what it says. Uh, we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk. Catch you next time, Ray. Well, thanks, Phil. And I can tell you uh, that Tesla uh, after hours trade is down a little, about one point two percent, something like that, as we're recording this, uh, because their results are out earnings per share eighty five versus eighty six expected, uh, one point eight million vehicles per. per 
produced. The estimate was 1.84, so not a big difference. Uh, Q1 revenue, 23.33 billion. The estimate was 21, uh, 23.35 billion. So, so no great shakes, is there really? It all sounds pretty good to me. Uh, that's it for now. Back again tomorrow morning with another edition of The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for now. I'll see you then.